0: Source is a podcast made by women for women. We're looking at the topics that are influencing women and the world they live in, and we're shedding a light on those topics. We're speaking with the national experts. We're bringing you the stories you're only going to hear here. Don't miss out on being in the know. Subscribe to Soul Source wherever you listen to podcasts today and leave us a review. This part's really important. That way we can continue to bring you the content you love each and every week. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're about to get started.
1: If you're looking up close for a prolonged period of time, it's a muscle that we use in our eye that flexes to let us look at things up close. So just think if you're spending all that time looking up close, it's like a muscle that you're flexing, but never giving a break.
2: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Soul Source. I am your host, Lisa Cruz, and today we are discussing COVID nineteen, technology, and how an uptick in screen time is affecting children's eyes and their development. We are speaking with Dr. Krieger from the National Eye Institute. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Krieger. I am so excited to have you here with us today to talk about eye health of all things. As I sit here with my bifocals on and having a hard time adjusting to the screen myself, but I am just curious, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are today.
1: Okay, well, I always knew that I wanted to do medicine from a really young age, and uh, my father was in the military, so it didn't seem like a big stretch to go to a military medical school. So I ended up owing 11 years to the military and spent my time in service. I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I came out of medicine. Some people know what path in medicine they want to take, and I really didn't. So I did three years as a flight surgeon. So um, it's not as exciting as it sounds. I didn't operate on people (laughs) midair. You just take care of um, pilots and their families and make sure that they're safe to fly on planes. So I had to do in my intern year, a general surgery rotation, and it was awful it was like you see in those kind of horror film it was terrible and I hated it and I really I had to do another surgical rotation so I racked my brain like who are the least mean of the surgeons and I came up with ophthalmology and I, two weeks in ophthalmology and they were so nice and the surgeries were so clean and bloodless and painless and people were so happy and that's how I came to ophthalmology so um i ended up doing like my residency through the military and spent 15 years in the air force and then met up with somebody at a trauma conference who was working at the nih and she was leaving and looking for someone to follow on after her met up with dr rachel bishop shadowed her for a day and thought it was an amazing program and finished my 15 years commitment and uh punched out and uh, came to work at the NIH.
2: You mentioned being a flight surgeon, and I don't know if, if most people know this, but my husband was actually a flight surgeon and also in the Navy. So right away when you talked about being a flight surgeon, I think there's always like misperceptions. People think like you're doing surgery in mid-flight sort of thing. Um, but it's really about readiness. And like you said, taking care of the pilots and the, their families. So thank you for your years of service. It's, that's a huge commitment. So be, on behalf of myself and everyone out there, thank you for your years of service.
1: Well, you, you served as well if your husband was in. <laughs> yeah, we
2: were out. I don't know if you ever heard of 29 Palms. It's, it's out in the middle of the Mojave Desert. We lived out there for about three years, and I was like a fish out of water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, the family members just get to go wherever you go. So this was the, the first time my, my husband and I like chose jobs that we just wanted and got to pick where we wanted to live and knew that nobody could make us leave. Oh, that's a
2: wonderful concept, too. It's Yeah, that's refreshing. So thank you for sharing your st- story about becoming a physician and being a woman and really in a leadership position and talking, talking about ophthalmology. So having said that, with the pandemic, I know we have quite a few questions we want to talk about with children, but just in general, between children and adults, that huge span, are you seeing a shift in people's eyesights due to behavior and um, overabundance of screen time?
1: So I'm I'm going to preface, I'm not a pediatric ophthalmologist, and I know that that was some of the focus. I'm a comprehensive ophthalmologist, so I see all ages, and our typical patient panel is not your (laughs) run-of-the-mill patient panel here at the NIH. We see some strange and rare diseases, but even if you just talk to your colleagues, everybody's noticing some increased eye strain, eye fatigue from the amount of times that we're spending on screen. When we do focus work, like computer work or reading, we don't blink much. And you can test this yourself, just watch somebody in a good novel and count how rarely they blink. So if you spend all your time on a screen, you're just not blinking much. And trying to remember to blink is like remembering to breathe. So people's eyes get dry and they get uncomfortable. And if you're looking up close for a prolonged period of time, it's a muscle that we use in our eye that flexes to let us look at things up close. So just think if you're spending all that time looking up close, it's like a muscle that you're flexing, but never giving a break.
2: Oh my gosh. And that just makes my eyes feel tired. When you said that thinking about that, like that literally, I had this picture, as you said that, like just flexing my arm muscle for nonstop eight hours. Like I am on the computer every day with virtual meetings. That's crazy that we're doing that.
1: Well, the nice thing is you were mentioning that you have some bifocals, so some of the flexing is being done by your bifocal, but yeah, not all of it.
2: So is there anything, I mean, maybe your number one recommendation for people is reduce your screen time. I mean, is it as easy as that and yet so difficult to do given today's circumstances?
1: Yeah, I don't don't know that it's that much of an option for people right now if you need to do it for, I mean, certainly you can limit your screen time, you know, when you're not doing it for work or for school, and that's healthy for, for all of us. But let's not forget that our screens are also the way that we're connecting with friends and family these days as well. So we have to find ways to kind of help our eyes do this increased demand that we're putting on them.
2: What are some of the complaints that people bring to you in terms of um, eye strain? Is it just like overall fatigue or their eyes? Sometimes I know I get like my eyelids twitching. Like, what are people complaining about today?
1: So a lot of people will say that their eyes ache, that they're burning. Funny enough, a lot of people actually complain that they're tearing. And I'll look, oh. the eyes are just bone dry. And I'm like, oh, you're so dry. And they think, I just wasted my visit. I told her I was tearing. She told me I was dry. There's a real disconnect. But if you get a dried out spot, you will feel like there is something in there. People come in, they're like, there's something, it's stuck. It's an eyelash or it's something <laughs> in there. And I'm like, trust me, it can't hide from me. You've got a dried out spot. And that's exactly what your brain thinks, that there's something in there. So it'll make a big rush of tears trying to flush out what it feels like a foreign body. Or people will say that their eyes are red, that they are tired, or that often they get blurry or they come in and out of focus. Is there something
2: people can can help do at home if they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to go see a doctor quite yet? Or I mean, besides reduce screen time, just like sit with their eyes closed, sit with a cool washcloth on them. Like what helps relieve some of that strain?
1: So there's a, a good kind of like way to remember it is 20-20-20 like every 20 minutes, take a break from looking at your screen for 20 seconds and look at something at least 20 feet away. That will relax that flex muscle, give your eye a break, you'll be more likely to blink. So you can even set a timer so that you're not doing it for a prolonged period of time. You could do it at shorter intervals if you need it more often, but 20-20-20 is a pretty good rule of thumb. You can keep lubricating drops by your you know, right by the computer, where are you at? Something, just some kind of over-the-counter lubricating drops are very soothing. Um, Decreasing the brightness of your screen, it should be about the same color as ambient light. Positioning the screen a little bit below you (laughs) so that you're looking a little bit down at it so that more of your eye is covered can be helpful. Um, Those are all things that people find helpful so that you reduce some of that eye fatigue.
2: Yeah, those are some really good tips. I've never heard the 2020. 20. That's awesome. I can remember that. I remember way back when, when the pandemic first started and everyone was in lockdown. And I remember, like, I, after converting to all those virtual meetings, literally had some days where I would be on virtual meetings eight hours a day. I felt like pulling my hair out and crying. It was so exhausting. It's a little bit better now, but my eyes at the end of the day, no matter what, they're just exhausted. I mean, it's just... a marathon. It is. It is. I feel like I'm so more intently staring at the screen. It's not like I would sit there and look like that in person at someone, you know, it's just very intense. And like you're saying, like our eyes are just fatigued overall. Now, along those lines, I know you're not a specialist with children, but are you seeing children
1: in your practice at all? We do see some children in our practice.
2: Is there, um, and again, I'm just thinking about, I have four boys. <laughs> and I, I know, crazy, because I don't have enough going on. But I have four boys, and I'm convinced, truly, like my husband wears glasses, I wear glasses. Well, I had surgery but I still need glasses and I think our sons need glasses but they don't want to admit it. So their ages are 21, 19, 16 and 10. But if I think about their screen time, again, that's a good age range right there. Their screen time is just crazy. Anything that parents should be on the lookout with their kids, some of some of the complaints maybe that come out differently from a child's perspective.
1: They don't often complain if it if the surface is uncomfortable and if it's dry. They have the same nerves. They'll complain about the same thing that their eyes are tired or that they hurt or that they're red. They are focusing champions, so they're not going to get the same like problems with flexing that muscle. They're they're accommodative champs. They can they can look at something right up here and not have <laughs> problems, whereas we're like holding things out further and further as we get older. So, and their tear film is better than ours. When you look at a kid, you know, we always say that children have these shiny eyes. Literally their tear film is thicker, lasts longer. So they're starting out at a healthier baseline than we are, but that doesn't mean that they can handle eight hours of screen time either. So they're going to have a lot of the same complaints and the same things are going to work for them that work for adults, except that they don't probably benefit from the reading glasses the way that we do as adults, especially over four yeah. years.
2: Well, I did not know that about children produce more tears at all. So that that does bring up a good
0: point.
2: Yeah, yeah. They just have a little bit more endurance in all areas and aspects of their life just due to their age, simply. So overall, like from an adult's perspective or a child's perspective, I have no idea. Is there some sort of threshold like, you know, for your eye health, you shouldn't have or be online on screen more than so many hours a day. I have no idea if those guidelines exist.
1: They exist for young children. The American Academy okay. of Pediatrics actually has recommendations for, um, for young children. Um, so the less than two years, they actually recommend really nothing, <laughs> no screen time for 18 months to you know two years, unless it's um, video conferences with family members. That's, that's the exception. And then in preschool age, up to preschool age, they actually recommend limiting it to no more than one hour a day of high quality children's programming. But beyond that, they don't have any guidelines, which is probably wise in the midst of a pandemic, (laughs) not to have guidelines restricting the amount of screen time since most of our screen time these days is how we get our education our kids
2: well, education, personal, or like social interaction. I mean, it's just so hard to have parameters around that. And I would feel like that would be one more place I'm failing as a parent <laughs> because screen time, like again, I go back to the, the beginning of the pandemic um, and the amount of screen time our kids were putting their eyes on was absolutely crazy. I feel like it's gotten better now. Um, but still a lot of screen time going on. Get the screen time report
1: <laughs> for oh, kids.
2: yeah, yeah, but i I feel like maybe with the weather getting a little bit better, like the screen time will go down. Hopefully, summer's around the corner. However, we just saw snow a few minutes ago, so there there's that. Anything else you would give um parents advice regarding children and their screen time? any other? guidelines or things to look
1: out for? No screen time within one hour of bedtime and no screens allowed in the bedroom, especially with teenagers, they really wanna do it. And it, the, those bright lights right before bed and the kind of content that they see can actually disrupt sleep. So, and sleep is just so important for all of us and especially for growing kids. So- That's, that's a really good, good point. as kids get older, but no screen time before with one hour before bed.
2: That's a really good point. Now I'm going to take you um, and swing the pendulum the other way. Um, I'm 50 years old, so I have four kids, but now I'm also taking care or a caregiver for my mother as well, who is 81 years old. Are you seeing anything with the older demographic and their eyesight? Are they feeling the effects of additional screen time, or is it not impacted that generation yet?
1: I. Don't know if they're doing quite as much screen time because they're they might be doing a little bit more in order to see friends and family. But I I think that in general they don't have a lot of them. I don't want to generalize because my father worked yeah. in his 80s. <laughs> um, they may not have jobs that require you know a lot of screen time, so a little bit less. They they have other issues and we're just happy if they're willing to brave coming in and getting you know their routine eye health taken care of because a lot of people put off you know significant healthcare things during the pandemic for fear of covid so
2: and what what do you recommend for people today because i know i hear that across the board people are hesitant i know i've been hesitant to go into the doctor this past year what what are the recommendations in terms of eye health number 1 how often should you see an eye doctor and number 2 what are they saying during the time of this pandemic
1: so, you know, for our growing kids, um, the pediatric eye exam when they go to their well child should include um, vision screening. And we should all start seeing eye doctors around the age of 40, and especially maybe earlier if there's something that runs in your family, like macular degeneration or glaucoma, because these things run in families. So it's really great if you can get screened. None of these things cause symptoms, some of them don't even cause any visual changes. So if you don't get screened, you might not know that you have it. So
2: yeah, that's really good advice. You know, I kind of smiled and laughed to myself when you said getting into an eye doctor at age 40. I swear that the day I turned 40, I was reading in bed and I was like, I can't read the words on my Kindle anymore. You know, at the normal place where I would hold my Kindle. I was like, are you kidding me?
1: And And that that quarantine really does run out at 40.
2: It does. It does. I remember my older sister telling me that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I was like, she's right. I turned 40. Everything went downhill from there. Anything else that we did not cover in today's topic regarding eye health that you think it's really important to get out there? And while I was asking that, I thought of one other thing. Is there anything eye doctors are seeing today today? In regards or related to COVID, if you had COVID, is there anything popping up with eyesight in general or eye health?
1: Well, we're studying that here at the NIH. <laughs> so we're, we're definitely looking.
2: I know. I've been keeping an eye on all the things that pop up. If you're, you're pun it, I, I know. I know that that keep occurring or you keep reading about like we have no idea how COVID is going to manifest after you've been diagnosed with it. So I was just curious, anything else in general we did not cover in today's discussion that you think people really ought to take into consideration when it comes to their eyes?
1: Um, so a couple of things that, that I think are we are what we eat. <laughs> and there are pretty compelling studies that, you know, diets that are high in leafy green vegetables and um, fish, are healthy for your eyes, particularly people with macular degeneration, but probably overall. Sunglasses, UV protection, when it's daylight and it's outside, we should have on our sunglasses. There are cancers of the surface of the eyes, wrinkles if, you're, if you want to appeal to vanity, cataracts, retina conditions. These are all made worse with UV light exposure. So even starting with your kids, getting them used to wearing sunglasses is a good thing and eye protection. If you're going to be doing something where you're nailing something, drilling something, you really should be wearing safety protective glasses over your eyes. Anything where metal strikes metal. That just sounds painful. (laughs) Anything
2: else you can think of? Any other websites that would serve as a good resource for our listeners regarding eye health?
1: Sure. Um, Well, for children's health in general, I really like the um, American Academy of Pediatrics. They have um, healthychildren.org, and that's great. It's, you know, if you ever want to Google something and find a good, reliable source for what is this with my kid or what could be causing this, or you want to know more about it, that's a great website. I use it myself. Your pediatrician is another great source. Um, as far as online sites, since I'm recommending more screen time, <laughs> America- yeah of Ophthalmology, which is AAO.org, has some great at-patient level reviews of common eye health and eye questions, or eyesmart.org, also sponsored by the American Academy of Ophthalmology. These are all good, reliable sources. And that is so important to access
2: reliable, factual information. So thank you for sharing those URLs, and we'll make sure that we note that in the promotion of this bot podcast as well. So thank you so much for your time and your tips today. We really appreciate it. Again, I was thinking about when you said making sure you that you have proper covering of your eyes, especially as we're heading into the summer months. The sun hopefully will come out and be shining brightly every day. We're going to need our sunglasses That is so important. So thank you again for all of your information and your insights and also for being a woman in a leading position as a physician with the NIH. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so
0: much for having me. I I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more Soul Source, subscribe to the show. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if there's something you want us to talk about, we can do that too. We have a page, it's on Facebook. It's called the Soul Source Society, and it's where we interact with listeners. We get content ideas for future shows, we talk about past content, and overall, we just have a lot of fun. That's Soul Source Society on Facebook. We hope to see you there. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc, a leading agency that specializes in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com.